Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Monday, Dr. Paul. How are you today? Doing well. All doing right. well. All right. Yeah, well, we have to look around for some problems. We didn't have to go very yeah. far. Did There's you shoot any balloons down over the weekend? <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> wondered. You know, we used to send those balloons up as kids. Probably somebody just <laughs> had a little modern technology. Yeah. It, you know, I don't think, even with all that fanfare uh, and excitement, do you think the American people started to feel scared? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think anybody really cared about it or it was just a game. But it's an opportunity for some people to say, well, Biden isn't hawkish enough. He yeah. better shoot something down. Oh, OK, I'll go shoot them all down. Yeah. <laughs> Little ones and big ones and weather balloons and whatever. Yeah. But he checked it out with the property rights people and he didn't violate anybody's property. <laughs> anyway, you can't make, make fun because who knows what's going on because uh, they don't believe in telling us the truth. Yeah, exactly. That makes it a little hard for us to analyze things. Well, no one's talking about Seymour Hersh and the blowing up of the pipeline, so it's yeah, probably that's, uh, that's what successful. they're avoiding. You're yeah. absolutely right on that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we're gonna talk about sanctions, everybody I think in the audience, uh, and I think you understand I don't like sanctions, yeah. and sanctions are bad. It's uh, anti-freedom, it's anti-free markets, anti-property rights, and really hurts people a lot, and yet we are the champions. It's yeah. one thing I could say, this country is right now, and you know, it wasn't the Democrats that really uh, stirred up a lot of sanctions. Uh, there was a time in our history not too long ago that generally conservatives and liberals and Democrats and Republicans didn't like tariffs and sanctions at all, but you know, in recent years they were started, and. And now it's a favorite tool because for some reason the world is accepting unlimited amount of dollars. Anything, uh, anything is wrong, feed it into dollars, not a couple billion here and there, trillion here and trillion there and add it up. No matter whether it's some type of an international uh, military crisis or whether it's the COVID crisis, just more money. And they seem to get away with it, but uh, long term, not. But. Uh, I want to talk a minute about you know some of the uh, some of the consequences of that. Most of the time, we can find consequences that are really really bad. They said, well, we wanted to do A, but B happened, and more people died than we thought. And I like to think that uh, this this sanctions and the consequence <laughs> is sort of a bit bit entertaining. It says, uh, this is the first one, and it comes from Zero Heads, our friends there. It says, sanctions made India indispensable to the global energy market. Well, what they do, have a big discovery? <laughs> no. Uh, our foreign policy pushed them to be closer allies with Russia. And Russia has the oil, but we said, you can't sell it to anybody. <laughs> oh, but, but it looks like uh, there was a loophole. The, the Russians could sell oil to India. And there must be a few of the people there that even though they might not uh, have oil like Saudi Arabia, they have uh, a little bit of uh, creativity on what to do. So what, what did they do? They, they, <coughs> they, imported, they imported the oil and refined it, and including U.S. and that discredited and they re by re-exporting, they would doctor it up and yeah. ex export it. So the Russian, the Russians kept making money on this, and uh, I think I think that's uh, really funny. <laughs> but the funniest part is, is is they were exporting oil to the United yeah. States. <laughs> you know, we want to punish them, and then it caused 
the, the bad unintended consequence was it made shortages for us, just as I believe, uh, I believe sanctions and tariffs and all this probably hurt middle class and average people the most because yeah. it does push up prices and uh, the sophisticated get around it. This was uh, creative uh, financing here, and uh, I think they'll have to stop and think about, well, how are we going to do this? I guess they have to put sanctions on India <laughs> and send over an army there to enforce it. Yeah. Well, let's put up that first link. It's by Andrew Koribko uh, via the uh, Automatic Earth blog, and we see it via uh, Zero Hedge. It's fascinating. We've talked about this before, but the um, Indian media revealed in mid-January that their country's been processing and re-exporting discounted Russian oil to the West, including the UF, U.S. So as you point out, so when, this, when the Russia war started with Ukraine, uh, everyone rushed to put sanctions on. I think the EU is in their 12th package or 10th, 11th package of sanctions against Russia. They sanction everything that moves. No Russian oil. We're going to cripple the Russians. We're going to strangle the Russians. And the Russians just started saying, okay, that's fine. We'll sell our oil to friendly countries. And it's just amazing the unintended consequences of upending the global uh, energy markets is that India all of a sudden becomes a major, major player because they're staying neutral. And you've talked a lot about how neutrality has such benefits. <laughs> the Swiss are forgetting this, unfortunately, but the Indians have not. They've been neutral. So Russia says, okay, we're gonna sell you all this oil at a discount. India says, that's great. We're gonna refine it into gasoline or diesel, whatever they make into it, and then resell it to Europe and the EU, which they can now take the moral high ground. We are sanctioning Russia. We're not gonna buy their oil. But you're paying twice as much for it through India, but the interesting thing about this article is that the EU and the US are secretly grateful for this deal. Even though they're <laughs> paying more, they realize if they had gone through and those sanctions actually did work, it would be even more of a disaster than it is. Hey, you know, one of the unintended consequences, maybe intended by some people, was uh, freezing <coughs> the Europeans. Yeah. You know, they're short, they need the oil, and at the same time, they're capitulating and doing what NATO tells them to do, and they, they march along and, and, and do this, trying to even this out, not realizing <coughs> there's one, only one real way of evening out supply and demand and profiting from uh, doing it and doing a, a service to the maximum number of people, especially the people who are on the margin, the people on the margin, middle class, low middle class, and the poor people. Because when you use this principle, uh, you know, uh, when gasoline had jumped up to $5, you know, the average person yeah. probably couldn't fill up their gas tank and uh, it was on and on. So that to me, it's a bit ironic, but it should, should make a, give them a conclusion that, uh, you know, that this is not a good policy. Yeah. But like you say, may, maybe behind the scenes, they might like this because it's covering yeah. them up. Just, just think in a way, politically, it helps, helps Biden because we're, we're running short and all this. Oh, oh we, can import, we can import Russia and keep it a secret yeah, and yeah. starve the Europeans. You know, you could almost make a comedy out of all this. Some, yeah. somebody, will, somebody will do that. But then at the same time, you know, uh, 
uh, and I think you've made the point, uh, there, nobody's paying much attention to the information we got from HERS and blowing up the pipeline. Here, here they are still worrying about Europe and the balance of oil trade and the extremes they have to go through. And then they blow up the oil lines. Yeah. And uh, some people said, oh, it, Hirsch is not that good a reporter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, his credentials are the, are the best. That's back when uh, the objectivity was honored in journalism. Yeah. Today, it's taught, don't waste your time on it. Uh, that that ru ruins, uh, you know, fair and balanced distribution of wealth. And uh, that, 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 is, that is their goal, not, not to take care of the maximum number of people. And in the meantime, the system they have now, the politicians and the very wealthy never seem to suffer. Yeah. Well, they're discrediting Hearst by calling him a conspiracy theorist. But nowadays, all the conspiracies have come true. So you can't even do that anymore. Well, let's just do a couple more on the indie one. Here's, a, here's from the article. This is a Bloomberg uh, piece, if we can look it up. Oil's new map, how India turns Russian crude into the West's fuel. And you made a good point, and I have it here in my notes. Charade. Because it's a charade. Everyone, it's like our favorite movie, Casablanca. There's gambling going on here, <laughs> you know. Everyone knows that they're bypassing the sanctions. India's getting rich. Russia's not losing. Europe is being deindustrialized and being made poor. And the U.S. is, of course, suffering under economic problems. All of this for sanctions that have had no ill effect. And in fact, I would say they would have, they have had the opposite effect because India emerges as a real global powerhouse. That hadn't really happened, that it hadn't pushed them forward. China and Russia's alliance has strengthened because of this. I mean, literally, if the Russians launched a, a secret operation to destroy the global north uh, and the west, <laughs> it couldn't have been more successful. I want to do one more quote from this before we move on to another unintended consequences of this. If we can skip the next one and go to the last one, uh, on this, the one that starts for his insight. If we can put that up, this is from the article. From this insight, it can be concluded that India succeeded not only in resisting US-led Western pressure upon it vis-a-vis -vis relations with Russia, but also unwittingly ended up doing the golden billion, and that's what the author calls the West, the golden billion a favor in the process by placing itself in the position to ensure the reliability of their energy imports their newfound role as a kingmaker in the new global, in the new Cold War. Really, really, really interesting. And let's move to the next one. I'm going to send it back your way, Dr. Paul. This is from the Epoch Times. Uh, another unintended consequence of the uh, sanctions. Japan's government adopts nuclear energy policy in major turnaround amid energy crisis. There you go. You know, uh, Another thing that this has done, India has been talked about when they talk about the new reserve currency, you know, and China and, and Russia, they have an incentive and there are others involved, Iran, but uh, India has sort of been talked about, but this almost really is more destructive on the long term to the dollar it, because if they do get a, come along or come around and start using something other than uh, the dollar as, as the gold standard, uh, they're, they're going to have to uh, uh, you know live up to the fact that uh, this this move actually might have moved more pressure on the dollar and bring those group of countries uh, together and that would be a major event when when people start backing off which they've started to back off yeah. but they can still use the dollar because it's still the strongest around but even eventually we just can't do it keep uh, keep doing this and you know even even on the subject that we're talking about now all this mess that they have, 
But Biden has it. He's getting the benefits. There, he's buying oil from Russia. Maybe it's discounted for all <laughs> we know. Biden administration ready to unleash a twenty-seven. Oh, that's chicken feet. Twenty-seven billion dollar green slush fund. Yeah, <laughs> green green energy. That's really good. I don't think it's a good fuel though. It makes it makes your car sputter. Green fuel. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they they keep doing it. They don't give up. And, uh, and uh, this whole thing has caused Japan to start changing their attitude. Maybe maybe that nuclear. You know, Japan had every reason in the world to uh, be uh, very very cautious, being the only country that had two nuclear weapons yeah. dropped on them. Uh, and and now uh, they're. Uh, of course, they've had a bad accident over there that set them back, but now they're thinking that they need to boost that. And other countries have too. Just think of France. You know, yeah. France when they went their own. That was back in De Gaulle's day. Yeah. You know, gold and and uh, mine your own oil and that sort of thing. So this is a uh, this is something that uh, this is I think beneficial. I've always. Uh, uh, even when the accidents have happened, if you added up all the problems with all the other, even uh, even hydrocarbons and coal, even though that's what people have had to use and still will use, people die in those things. And that, that when they when you really look at it, uh, if you eliminate the uh, use of nuclear power in war, people don't die from nuclear power, and a lot of lives are saved because you have nuclear energy that you can't uh, provide for. It's uh, it's it, it's it's something that uh, I think they're rediscovering, and uh, I think that's a good move. People people have de decided that uranium was a good investment. I think they're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. I think what happened, and we can put up that next clip, I think Japan looked into the abyss and they realized that everything has changed now and they've got to take care. The island does not have a lot of natural resources. Uh, and so here's from that same article, that Epic Times article. Japan's government on February 10th, just a couple days ago, adopted a policy of seeking to maximize the use of nuclear power in a bid to stabilize the country's energy supply amid soaring energy costs fueled by the prolonged war in Ukraine. They've made a decision to double down on nuclear energy, as you say, looking at the unpredictability in the future global energy markets. Well, I, um, I think that hopefully people would wake up. But when you think of the social disaster of lockdown, you think, well, you know, what made sense to us didn't seem to make sense to others, but it made, made the enemies of liberty even more aggressive. It's surprising how far they got. But now you're seeing some of that reversal of it. And there was another good story the other day of, uh, of parents uh, going to uh, a PTA meeting and expressing themselves. And uh, what drives them nuts is, you know, the embarrassment of uh you know hypocrisy yeah. so this was one another time where the mother got in there and, and read uh, oh, i saw that yeah. yeah and you know what was amazing she knew what was going she cited everything she did her homework and uh and i think some of those people on that uh on that school board i don't think I don't think they were prepared for no, her. They, no. they didn't do it. One person tried to quiz her, and uh, it's, uh, they, that's available, so you have to use it, but uh, it's, it's still sickening when you have to hear about it. Why aren't we waking up a lot sooner? Yeah, Ron Paul homeschool curriculum, that's the <laughs> answer. Although we do admire people that stay in the trenches and fight. Well, you mentioned the word disaster, and that reminded me of our next story, if we can put it up. 
Here is a dis global disaster called Anthony Fauci. Uh -oh. He has authored, Dr. Paul, a scientific paper. You didn't think that he was the science, but he is the science. Uh, he authored a new paper. This one says, this is from the Epic Times, Fauci says COVID-19 and influenza vaccines don't work well. <laughs> it calls for improved shots. A startling bit of news. You sent that over to me and I, I was looking Babylon B, something like this. No, it's actually true. It's a new paper that he wrote with a couple of colleagues from the CDC in a magazine. I'm sure you have a subscription, Cell Host and Microbe magazine. Um, but uh, all joking aside, this is what he actually said. If we can do the next one and have a look with what he said. Vaccines against both COVID-19 and influenza have, quote, deficiencies, including that they elicit incomplete and short-lived protection against evolving virus variants that escape population immunity. Fauci, until recently, President Biden's chief medical advisor and top National Institute of Health official wrote in a recent paper. But if you'll put this next one up, Dr. Paul, unfortunately, admitting that these viruses don't work, and I would say, now you tell us, um, instead of saying that, you know, that we really mess this one up, no, the paper is called Rethinking Next Generation Vaccines for Coronaviruses, Influenza Viruses, and Other Respiratory Viruses. We messed up, but we're going to keep doing it. That's true. They, they want to manufacture the enemy, then they can treat it, and there's evidence that that's exactly what they were doing. But when I read this, superficially it could be interpreted, well, they don't work well, and he calls for improved shots. Well. Maybe he has in his mind that we can convince the people that, well, yes, we, we messed up, but those, those vaccines, they weren't the right thing. But we have the right thing now. Yeah. Get back in line. Yeah. I don't think that's going to work. I mean, the, the people sometimes are so complacent and they just follow and uh, think the government can tell them, you know, the best thing to do. But uh, they, uh, they're not going to line up, but they might uh, be able to... Uh, with, with all the power they have in the propaganda to scare the people. Fear is the thing that they use, money, yeah. money motivation. And I understand people, there's a few people who have made a couple bucks in this yeah. business too. Bill Gates and, made some money. And, yeah. and a few people died needlessly too. You know, there's been a lot of deaths and sometimes they lump them together. But uh, you'll see a statistic that says that a minuscule number of people actually die you know, from the from the virus, but there's a lot of deaths related to COVID. Yeah. Uh, but they they don't sort it out. And then the other stories, which I uh, always assume would be the case, that the real results won't be around for a while because you know six months or a year after they've had this is when people uh, can get sick. And the other thing is is gathering this information. You know, just assume that sometimes if a famous person you know has a heart attack. Uh, and is serious, and everybody knows about it. Uh, and the odds, at least, uh, uh, you know, you're, as doctors, you're supposed to have a differential diagnosis. You know, the different things that it could be. You don't uh -huh. start with, oh, this is it, yeah. and then work backwards. You say A, B, C, D. And, you know, now, now uh, that has all been false. There's no object, they, they claim objectivity in journalism or in reporting science yeah. is detrimental to their agenda. And uh, I, I think, so those numbers aren't worthwhile, but on occasion, somebody's gonna out there, it's popping up where it's authentic uh, investigation. Yeah. Well, Fauci did say, uh, quote, 
When you get vaccinated, you become a dead end to the virus. That was not true. Uh, that was another one of his lies. Well, let's flip over to our last uh, uh, report. And this is something that I'm always really interested in. The whole disinformation business has been a scam and a sham. And now we know a little bit about mo- a little bit more about what the State Department has been up to. If we can put up that next one, and it's from Zero Hedge. We noticed it over the weekend. U.S. State Department is funding a secret disinformation crusade to blacklist conservative media. I don't really like the word conservative media here, Dr. Paul. I would say any media that's independent of the prevailing government-sponsored narrative. But <laughs> what the meat is, is that the State Department is giving tons of money through its Global Engagement Center. Everyone should remember that name. It used to be a while ago that the National Endowment for Democracy was our target, but this is now the target. The Global Engagement Center, they're sending money to work on blacklisting news outlets which disseminate disinformation. And let's put the next one on. This is a little bit more about it. They gave a bunch of money to this group, the Global Disinformation Index, which is a British NGO. And what it does is it feeds blacklists to ad companies with the intent of defunding and shutting down websites that are peddling the quote, disinformation. And this hits close to home because we at the Ron Paul Institute, of course, have been accused of this as well because we've challenged things like the Syria war, we've challenged the prevailing narrative on the Ukraine war, et cetera, et cetera. That's our business to challenge these shibboleths. And now, if you can put that back up, if you don't mind, uh, so this group re- received $300,000 from t- two different State Department grants. The State Department is using this money to undermine freedom of speech and freedom of the press in the United States. Very ironic. But you'd say, oh, well, maybe these are really bad guys. These are really terrible disinformation. Maybe they're even Russian bots. No. Let's have a look at this next one. This is their own list that they put together. The safe sites and the risky sites. The safe sites, which everyone should rush to and read and treat as the gospel, NPR, AP News, New York Times, USA Today, Washington Post, BuzzFeed News, Huffington Post. These are the good ones. What are the bad ones? (laughs) New York Post, the oldest newspaper in the country. Reason Magazine. Now, there are some problems with Reason, but come on. Real Clear Politics, The Daily Wire, One America News Network, the American conservative, that's a dangerous, dangerous. The Federalist, the American Spectator, Newsmax, this is an extremely political list. There is no evidence that these other organizations are disinfo. Daniel, you have to find something. Now, I found something. <laughs> oh, good. They have done our research for us because we want to know who the good guys and the bad guys are. You just have to change the titles. <laughs> flip <laughs> Take, it over. Flip, flip it over. And, and you know, the one side that they say are the good guys, they're the bad guys. <laughs> and the so here are the good guys. And unfortunately, that pretty as much as how people who are looking for the truth have to do with it. You know, if you turn on television and such and such is, is going on and we said, oh, that's interesting. You look at who's doing it. Yeah. Who's the propagandist, you know, that's doing this. Sad story. So it is. Uh, do you have another statement? I'm going to close with a statement, but do you have something I, else you want to do? Before I just that? have my closing. I was just going to finish on this by saying that the serious part of our, you know, we're joking around about it, but they are conspiring. The State Department is conspiring to get these outlets defunded. And we know that Newsmax has had problems staying on cable. I think the One America Network has had problems staying on cable. And you wonder, what is the pressure behind the scenes?
on these uh, outlets to prevent this news from getting out, I think it's, uh, the word I would use is un-American. The State Department is un-American. Uh, my closing is just going to show a little bit of a clip from a rally in France. And the reason I do this is because you will not see this in the U.S. media. If we can just put on, I don't know, 10 seconds of this. This is over the weekend in France, a mass rally against the war, against NATO. Look at this. Sautons de l'OTAN. Get out of NATO. Let's watch a little bit of this. This is a big rally. It goes all the way down the street. The front sign says for peace. A massive peace rally in France. We don't want war with Russia. We want to get out of NATO. And that's, I think, very exciting. You're never going to see this anywhere, probably, but this show. But that does remind us that we have a little rally of our own at the end of the week on Sunday. So hopefully something is happening. Well, that, that uh, rally is pretty neat there. Uh, I feel like Robert Taft has been vindicated. <laughs> they're, they're just a little late to the party, yeah. but better late than never. <laughs> so it took them all those years for people to start demonstrating against NATO because NATO is the one that's fighting Russia and Europe is not coming out so well. Their leaders are actually participating in making things worse. And uh, so it's, a, it's a, a crazy thing, but the people sometimes you know, they wake up, everybody complains about, oh, you know, they stereotype and then they always go along to do the bad things, but eventually they wake up just like they did in COVID. A lot of, a lot of awakening occurred there in a positive way. But I'm gonna go ahead and close with mine <clears throat> about something I found sad. I don't know whether we've heard the last story yet, but uh, James O'Keefe of uh, Project Veritas has been removed from his leadership position. And I think he probably is one of the most geniuses in, in media and getting interviews. And uh, don't you feel like uh, he probably has revealed more truth than a lot of journalists or so-called journalists uh, put all of put together? But you know, it's, it's, it fascinates me on why, why do they do this? It was his, uh, his board that did this. He created the program, but his board, how do they get control? And uh, what, what happened to Glenn Greenwald? You know, he started with a group of people that they, there was trust in, and uh, he actually, I, I am sure he followed the rules and the intent uh, of that magazine he started, and they kicked him out. You know, there's there's something sad about this. I had a staff person once, one of his sort of hobbies was investigating, uh, you know, the foundations. And uh, conservatives or liberals, they put their money away and they, they have their ulterior motives. But so often he found, and it was so disappointing that when a conservative libertarian put their money away and put it into a foundation, that the legal structure or whatever it is so often fell into the hands of the, of the enemy. And uh, that's what I'm afraid to hear. But this one, it says that the board is reviewing this, but, it, but it's not good. Uh, I, I just think that uh, even that much is, is way too much. And uh, of course, you know, if there, if there happens to be a deep state, you know, it's probably pretty deep. That, you know, even there, we, we will get you. <laughs> and, and that's what they're doing and working on him because uh, he, he really has a knack of getting the information. It's astounding, and uh, of course, he should be encouraged, he should be honored, he shouldn't be punished, and yet 
that is the that is the thing that we're doing more today. If we don't like the uh, message that we hear, we cancel the person. So the First Amendment uh, is on the rocks, and uh, this, in a way, is trying to overcome the the controls on the First Amendment to try to get to the bottom of things and get to the truth, which is really. Uh, something that is always eternally necessary it's not a brand new problem but it's on a it's on an epidemic cycle right now when you think of all the lies in this century that got us involved in wars that were not legal and uh what about the lies in medicine now and the lies in education so uh, I, 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 I believe that uh, we have shifted our emphasis from having decency in law to a system of nihilism. Well, we don't know the truth, so anything we say, they have to believe it or we'll take their job away and we're going to punish them. And that is pervasive and that is what's controlling our society and controls our Congress. There's a few there that are good and they're trying to do a good job, but they are also going to be victims of the control of the system. And in order for the enemy to get control, they will have to destroy the First Amendment. And right now, they're doing a pretty good job, but people are starting to rise up and say that we have to fight back. We have to have the right to present our side of the story. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.